This is Isaac Smith, and you're listening to Next Level E-Commerce Favorites. While I'm taking a late summer, early fall break, we're playing listener favorite episodes. So if you haven't listened to every episode, you're missing out on some great gold stories. And even if you have, these are worth revisiting. I'll be back in October with new episodes hot off the press. This episode of Next Level E-Commerce is brought to you by Ian Bond of Professional Website Investors. Ian has been an inspiration to me, which is why he's been on the show three times now. He and his network of investors are looking to buy e-commerce sites. So if you're interested in selling yours, Ian is the guy to talk to. They're looking for sites that are established, but are also open to younger sites that are revenue-producing which may or may not meet the criteria for some of the well-known brokers in the space. And of course, you can save the broker commission by going direct. And on a personal note, Ian is the guy I send people to when they tell me they're interested in selling. So if you're interested, contact Ian directly at ianbond at professionalwebsiteinvestors.com. That's I-A-N-B-O-N-D at professionalwebsiteinvestors.com. And now, let's start the show. Today on Next Level E-Commerce. I was the guy that put down 53 deposits before I made a decision to buy. (laughs) When I met them and I told them that story, that's when they said, you would somebody please get this, give this guy a coupon so we can stop with the money going back and forth. You're listening to Next Level E-Commerce. Each week, we feature inspiring stories from entrepreneurs who have taken their business to the next level. They share successes and failures and what kept them going when they felt like giving up. And here's your host, Isaac Smith. Happy New Year, and thank you for joining me for episode 14. I've got a really special episode for you that you are not going to want to miss. So let me guess. Right now, you're thinking goals, resolutions, outcomes, what you want to achieve for the next year. But how big are you thinking? Are you thinking like a technician or are you thinking like an owner? Most of us get into entrepreneurship because we're tired of what we're doing and we want something different for our lives. We want more freedom and control over what we do and when. So we set out on our hero's journey. Most of the time we start out by freelancing or starting an e-commerce store or something like that. At first, it's just obstacles and struggle and you keep yourself going on pure energy. But then after a while, something happens and it actually starts to work. Money, real money, actually starts to come in, and we can hardly believe it. So what do you do from there? You double down, you grind and hustle, and that goes well for a while. But then, something else happens. Something unexpected. You find yourself back where you started, in a job that you've given yourself. And all that hustle and all that grind isn't giving you the same payoff as it once did. You find out that what you're doing is actually just treading water. You're not going anywhere. And that's the beginning of burnout. 
It happened to me, and chances are, it's happened to you. So what's the answer? Usually, it's connecting back with your why, and beginning to think of yourself more as an owner rather than the technician. Getting yourself out of that day-to-day grind and thinking more about the big picture. And that's what we're talking about today, being the owner of your business. Now, as you're setting goals and making plans for the next year, this would be a good time to take a step back and think, am I planning to be a technician or an owner this year? And in this interview, we're going to be specifically talking about buying and growing e-commerce businesses. My guest today is Ian Bond. He's built a portfolio for himself of eight revenue-producing e-commerce businesses. And of course, in getting to that number, he's purchased many more than that. Ian's going to tell his story of how he's been able to do that in just a minute. But first, I want to give you a little bit more information about the mission that I've been telling you about over the last couple episodes. Last week, I talked about the entrepreneur's roller coaster, how it affects all of us, high highs and low lows, and that if you want to make it to the next level in your business and your life, you're going to have to build yourself a stable foundation, a way to level out the lows so that you can spend your energy focusing on what's really important. So let me tell you what happened to me. Now we're coming to the end of 2019, but if you go back to 2018, that was actually a really rough year for me. One day I'll tell you the whole story, but here's the short summary for now. I was coming off of 2017, which was a high year for me, and I was expecting that growth to continue into 2018. But I took my eye off the ball. I did too many experiments, and as a result, I wasn't paying as much attention to the day-to-day as I should have been. Or, in truth, I hadn't built that foundation so that I was the one who had to do everything to keep the business running, but I was letting things slide. And as a result, my revenues started to decline and continued that way for several months. At this point, I'm feeling really bad about myself. I'm feeling like I'm five years into this e-commerce thing and what do I have to show? A store that's on the decline. And I promised my wife some things about providing for the family. This is after I made her quit her job and I quit my job. We sold our condo and moved across the country into my parents' house. And now look at this. I'm feeling panicked. And that panic is starting to become despair. And I don't even want to think what's after despair. So let's back up a bit. By now you know We have real talk on this show. We don't gloss over the negative, uncomfortable stuff. We take it head on. And that's because I've been there. And I'm guessing you have too. And we can learn so much from each other. And that's why I'm on this mission to have an impact on all of you e-commerce business owners out there. I'm calling this mission 2x1k. This show is a huge part of that mission, and next week I'll tell you how I pulled out of that slump by taking the first step to building that solid foundation and how you can too. 
Now we're going to move on with the show. Links to everything we discuss can be found in the show notes at nextlevelecommerce.co. And don't forget to stick around till the end so you can have your chance to play. The review is right. And now, here's Ian. He lives in Abu Dhabi, and well, I'll let him tell you what he's doing over there. By profession, I run uh, private bank wealth and asset management businesses, and I've built uh, businesses for a number of big Wall Street banks. Now I've done it on four continents, and I've been over here for the last five years. And since the 80s, um, you know, I've always looked at emerging asset classes. And I remember before I moved here, going back to 2014, when I was in New York, I, I ran across website investing uh, as a thing. And I didn't really realize that there was website, uh, that websites were really bought and sold. And so when I started to look into it, I kind of realized uh, that in order to understand uh, you know how to value a website. You really needed to, to understand, you know, you know what were the, the the tenants that people used to 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 build them. That's how I uh, ended up with uh, Anton's course, uh, the Dropship Lifestyle course. You know, studying how people, uh, uh, how and why people built uh, websites the way they did, and then naturally. Um, because I knew websites were cheap, I ended up we, we ended up evolving and ended up kind of accelerating things by by buying websites um, at different uh, stages of maturity and uh, buying them and then growing them. Hmm. So you were uh, so you're deep into uh, finance and investing, and and then sometime a few years ago, I'm just trying to make sure that I understand this on a on a in terms that I can understand. So you're you're you notice that oh people are buying and selling and just investing in websites and so some somewhere along that rabbit hole of research you you got it you got into e-commerce and then specifically the dropship lifestyle course so what yeah. what was it about because there are so many kinds of uh, income producing websites out there there's affiliate sites there's these Amazon um, well, they're affiliate sites as well, but there's so many things that you can do, AdSense sites. So what was it about e-commerce that drew you there as, as an investment? Because yeah. that's what you're, so, you're really let, looking at in investing investment terms, right? You, yeah. You have yeah. A different so let, let, perspective let, most yeah, let, yeah, let me, yeah, I'll just step back and take a, you know, let me give you a high level picture, right? So if you looked at the standard and poor's 500, if you look at the stock market, the stock market trades at 18 or 19 times annual earnings. And we know that drop shipping websites trade around 25 times monthly earnings, which means that, you know, you're trading at, you know, a little over two times earnings versus, you know, the big established companies, the huge, uh, you know, blue chip companies trade at uh, 18, 19 uh, 20 times earnings. So website, uh, you know, websites are very, very cheap. Now, mm -hmm. when I first started looking at, you know, and, and within the website world, there's not a huge variation um, uh, in terms of, of the multiple of monthly earnings. Um, things with recurring revenue trade higher than things that don't have recurring revenue, but we're still talking about 
three or three and a half times earn annual earnings, uh, as opposed to two little over two times earnings for a drop shipping website. Um, and so when I started to look at this, you know, I started to ask myself why. And, you know, since I've been doing this, you know, for coming up on four decades, you know, looking at emerging asset classes, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, you know, was able to say, well, you know, looking in my past, you know, it's a market where there's a lot of inefficiency. Um, um, you know, there's, you know, no common place where price of prices are recorded, where things you can see. Uh, like the price of Google or the price of Amazon is well known. And there's, you know, 25 analysts on Wall Street with opinions and predicting earnings and writing research reports. That doesn't exist in the website investing world. And, and, and one of the really other big drivers is that there's no, there's no institutional money investing in this asset class. And so it's really cheap. And so mm-hmm. that was the way that I originally approached investing in this asset class. And by the way, when I started on Wall Street in the 80s, you could have said that about the emerging markets. Okay. So mm. there wasn't a, there was, people weren't buying, you know, people who lived in America weren't buying stocks in Asia or South America mm-hmm. or Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe was still communist at the time. So, you know, that, that you could say that back in the day, uh, but it was probably true that those markets were even further you know, probably even further developed than website investing. But, uh, you know, that was a, a big motivator for me. So it didn't scare me. None of those things scared me. To me, they looked like an opportunity. Yeah. Then what I did was kind of start to look at the different modernization models. You know, as you mentioned, you know, affiliate sites or SaaS sites, or I started to look at those things. And I really gravitated towards dropshipping uh, websites for a number of reasons. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's a good, I think high level view. So what was it that drew you towards e-commerce and then, mm-hmm. uh, drop shipping in particular? Well, you know, um, you know, e-commerce in general, you know, if you look at, um, you know, the studies, over 50% of all website sales, you know, um, uh, occur for sites that sell physical, uh, physical goods. So whether that is, you know, you know, private label, whether that's something that somebody makes for themselves, whether that's Amazon FBA, whether it's drop shipping, whether it's a mixture of all of those e-commerce websites are the, the, are the single biggest category. Drop shipping really appealed to me particularly high ticket drop shipping because you're selling branded products. Okay. They may not be, uh, household names to a lot of people, but they are branded products. They're, you know, been, you know, this model has been around. It may be the oldest retail model on the planet earth. Um, you know, so it's, this is not something new and you're selling branded products. Um, you know, from reputable suppliers who've been around for a long time. So you have that mope. And then, you know, there's, you know, the, 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 the great uh, uh, equalizer for us little guys is minimum advertised pricing or MAP. And that's what allows us to exist. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had a store in the UK and I can only tell you that, you know, the U.S. is a lot better. Okay. I mean, MAP is, <laughs> MAP is, a, MAP is a wonderful thing. Now, you know, yeah, I'll just 
you know, I'll just contrast that to, you know, kind of the guys that do FBA and, and while, you know, FBA sites are all the rage, the, I think the great bulk of them are good ways to make money, but they're not businesses. Um, mm. and you know, the re and they're horrible, horrible users of cash. And you've never met a, an, a, up a, a successful FBA guy who wasn't broke. I mean, <laughs> they're all, no, they're all yeah. up they're all up to here. They're all up to their ears and inventory all the time. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a really, you know, that's, uh, you know, to me, that's really not very attractive. And so, yeah. um, you know, we have strategies where we get into on, on how we think, uh, um, you know, drop shipping should be run, but you know, those are, that's just the real basics. You know, you, you, you want to be in something where, you know, you're not carrying a ton of inventory and where you've really got, a moat, which is a, a, a brand, um, not only for what you sell, but, you know, for your store that, you know, you know, gives you some protection and you don't have that, you know, for example, in an in, in FBA. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I, I love this, um, sort of high level discussion of the, the merits of, a, of the business model. Um, actually the guy who bought my, store my store is a drop shipping store high ticket drop shipping store um he is a an importer he is not an amazon fba seller but he's an importer um mm -hmm. and he one of the reasons he bought my store is because uh the bigger he grows his business the le the more intensive cat you know he's out less and less cash so it's the bigger the business, the less cash you have because yeah, it's all being yeah. tied tied up with inventory. So, um, yeah. So he was attracted to the idea that hmm, we could have in generate income without having to tie up all of our our cash, and that's risky. You know, that's scary. I think for a lot of people who you know, the bigger you you get, you know, the you, you just imagine. I think I think that gets in your head. Like what what if what if what if and then yeah, I'm stuck yeah. with all this inventory and that's it. Yeah, well, look, there's a very well-known uh, e-commerce guru who has a very a wonderful podcast and recently sold uh, one of his uh, FBA brands. And I've listened to the interviews that he has with had had on the podcast and, you know, He's not even he's not doesn't even hide the uh, the fact that you know the 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 level of investment in his own business you know it scared him okay so yeah. you know you know I, when you're starting to carry seven figures in inventory yeah. and you know you're selling through Amazon who on any given day might say you know Isaac I you know we're going to shut you down here or mm -hmm. you know suddenly a Chinese competitor shows up or something uh, you know, he had a, an aha moment and, uh, you know, was lucky enough to, 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 to sell his business and, you know, is very forthright in telling people that he was lucky. So, yeah, uh, you know, but let that be I, a lesson to everybody learning. You know? <laughs> everybody I know who you're so. talking about and we can go ahead okay, and, yeah. and drop names. So you're talking about Mike Jackness from, yeah, um, yeah. Tom e Crew podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah great exactly. story over there. So if you're listening and you want to hear like all the background on that? He's really honest and open. You can check out uh, that podcast as well. Um, very cool. <laughs> um, so awesome. So you're you 
you decided this is the model you're you're interested in. You found a course that that taught you the the base you know the basics and on how to do this model. But you're not interested in building your own your own business. You you want to buy businesses. So let's let's talk about that yeah. for a bit. Yeah. First so, of all, so, why not, not why not build? I see. Mm-hmm. By the way, I like your background, your shelves, your your art. Uh, for those <laughs> listening, we're we're doing a, a Skype video call, and at some point, I'll add I'll put this up on YouTube. Um, but if you're listening, he's got uh, really nice bookshelves behind him. Some looks like Japanese art, and then there's there's those, a book. Those are Thai. Those are Thai singing bells. If you uh, okay. singing bowls, if you remember those from Chiang Mai when you were over, over there. Okay, huh? so that's where we, we picked those up in Chiang Mai. That's behind me on my right, and over here is Walter uh, Dibel's book, uh, Buy Then Build, which is a, yeah, a great. Great, great book for anybody who's uh, uh, listening to this. So, yeah, uh, highly recommend so that. But so, yeah, so I have not read that book. But why? You know, what what is it? To, what what attracted you to buy yeah. ra- rather than build? Well, you know, a- apropos uh, Walt Walker's book, uh, buy then build. Uh, he tells a story at the beginning where you know when he was in uh, graduate business school. You know, spending all of his time uh, developing uh, a product while his colleagues graduating from business school were all going out and getting jobs. And lo and behold, their startup, you know, foundered. And after a year, you know, it, it ceased to exist. And, you know, that was kind of his wake up call that, you know, your most brilliant idea can fail for a lot of reasons. But you can there is an ample number of businesses out there that other people have either tired of or have had a change in circumstance or any other number of reasons uh, for any other number of reasons they want to sell. And those businesses are proven and you don't have to, you know, kind of guess uh, to, to uh, that if it's going to be a success, you can actually look at the numbers and, and, and value it. And so. You know, we, we mentioned that, you know, a lot of, uh, 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 you know, kind of websites trade for 25 to 35 times, you know, kind of monthly profits. Uh, private businesses, you know, trade similarly cheap, cheaply like that. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to uh, want things in the online world because for a lot of reasons, I think it's the future. I don't want to invest in bricks and mortar. And so... Um, Walker's book talks about both, you know, the online and the physical world, but the concepts are the same. And, 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 you know, I like the, I like the book so much. I bought the course. And so, you know, Mm. I can, I can, I can tell you, there's a lot of good theory and a lot of great examples behind the idea of buying something that's established as opposed to building. Now, um, our history has been that, you know, we have purchased, uh, you know, over 15 stores, um, a lot of them starter stores where we saw something really, really early on, some more established stores. That was our history. Now we're more focused on more expensive, you know, acquisitions. Um, right now we're kind of digesting, but when we come back probably early next year, we'll be looking at more expensive acquisitions, probably, you know, the six figure area and not, mm. you know, not so much, not as much the, the starter sites, but we'll still be building, you know, I, I, you know, I don't ever view myself as not being a builder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, 
actually while I was waiting for my store to sell, um, I listed on Empire Flippers and um, I was, you know, I, I don't want to spend my time on this this business while it's getting ready to sell. So I'm thinking, hmm, what should I be doing? I need to do something else. I would like, to, I want to have something else to sort of take over where, when this is gone. And so I did uh, build a new store and I forgot how hard that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It took me it's a lot of work. I yeah, know, it was about of, three yeah. months of pretty consistent hard work, um, be, and and I set goals for myself. I'm really good at setting goals. You can see I've got a whiteboard here. I do the um, uh, one thing sort of uh, goal setting method. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I hit that. Uh, I, I made my three month goal as to get my my first sale. So from idea to sales three months and that was hard and i realized yeah, yeah. wow and your first sale is not necessarily when you uh when you're having when you have a successful store so uh then once beyond that you, there's a lot of work to get to where you're profitable and then to where you're making you know a few thousand a month in profit yeah. so yeah. It occurred to me that there are a lot of failure points along the way where this niche, this store just could have not worked out at all. And I realized, wow, if I were to do this again, I, 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 think, it, I think it's far less effort to go to take a store that's profiting a 500 to to $1,000 a month and to double or triple that. I, yes. I, with my experience... You know, I I I have I have confidence that I could double or triple that kind of store in six months to a year, but undoubtedly, yeah, the amount of effort to go from zero to that is it's there's it's far easier to go from five hundred to two thousand. Look, Isaac, the 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 numbers are that it's you know ninety percent of uh, these things fail. So yeah, you know now. You're a pro and you're going to be, you know, way better than that. But there are a lot of things that outside, you know, you're in my control, you know, a supplier, you know, goes bust or something like that. One of the things I didn't mention about my backstory is that when when I moved over here in 2014, my wife joined me the following summer and she left a good job on Wall Street. So we're sitting in the Middle East. Um, um, and, you know, contacting suppliers to build a store is not that easy. Yeah. My wife left my wife left behind a really good income. We wanted to replace that. Frankly, we had more capital than time. And, you know, when you start to say, well, we have capital, we don't have time. I'm, I was 57 at the time, five years ago. Um, you know, can I afford to spend time and fail? You know, mm. and and, you know, uh, we were going to work on this together. Uh, you know, the it seemed to me um, when I looked at it that it would, you know, a far better use of my time looking at stores that were for sale where I could do what you said, you know, improve them, scale them um, and hope to get lucky. Uh, the other 
point that I'll make is that website investing with these kinds of numbers where where the multiple on monthly earnings or annual earnings are so cheap, it has what in the investment world is called an asymmetric payoff. Mm. The money that the money that you invest is really not that much. Okay. And so, you know, you can you can lose that money, but if it works, it can pay off at 10x. And yeah. that's exactly that's exactly the way venture capital investors invest. Okay, mm. so vent, venture capital investors put a little bit of money into a lot of little different investments, and then they they see how it goes as they get you know as they prove themselves as the concepts prove out, they invest more money and they increase their bets, and the vast majority of venture capital investments you know they 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 crap out they don't they don't make any money yeah. but the, but the ones that make it end up being called Amazon and Facebook and Google and you know yeah. and 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 you know we all know the stories of the ones that are up a thousand x right well yeah. you know that's that's fortunately what's happened to us a couple of times and so you know I don't have to talk about my losers <laughs> I can talk yeah. about my my winners and there have been you know far more losers than there have been winners so you know. well that's interesting as as that's an interesting perspective when you bring up venture capital, and I don't know very much about it, but I do know that the people who are in that space, they expect, what is it, nine out of ten of their investments to completely fail, like go to zero? Yeah. That's what they expect. And I don't think you're expecting nine out of ten of your stores to go to zero, are you? I, I think. No, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, no one expects it. Yeah. <laughs> the the um, you know the reality is that we've invested in what I would call starter stores that don't cost a lot of money, and you know I mean we're talking you know four figures, let's say five to ten thousand dollars, and something else has taken off, and we didn't spend time on those stores. And then, you know, you pick up Empire Flippers, you know, Monday, uh, uh, you know, email and you see a store in a niche that you own a store in, and you say, well, how did these guys get to be so successful? Right. Mm. And uh, well, you know what? They spent time doing it and we didn't. So mm -hmm. we've been in niches where we could have made a lot of money if we'd spent the time, but we got distracted because something else took off. And so. Yeah. Can't can't say we failed, but we 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 did fail to to win, if you will. <laughs> you know, you yeah. might want to might want to rephrase that, but you know, we, you know, and you know, for all the right reasons, but you know, we we were extended, you know, we you know, we were distracted doing other things. So, but, uh, but getting back to your point, no, we don't ever expect, you know, you know, we do, you know, as much due diligence as, as you know as we can humanly do prove the economics, prove the niche. And obviously, after five years, we're a lot better at this than we were in the first couple of years. And, you know, we're not expecting that to happen. And which is one of the and, you know, one of the, you know, we've developed a number of theories on 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 how to do better and what to look for. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're getting better at it. Very cool. Yeah, that's sort of what I was getting at is that <clears throat> I think it, it seems to me that when you put your money into a dropshipping store, one that that you've done the due diligence, you you know that it's not some, you know, uh, just something that's just a match that's. <laughs> I'm stumbling here, but you know, you're. It's not just a quick like hit and then it's gone. Um, 
<clears throat> so you you know that it has something some staying power. You may not get that thousand x return that some of these venture capitalists are are looking for, but you're 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 on average, I think, uh, going to ha- see a better return. Or I don't right. I can't talk. I can't speak to to venture capital, but you're 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 looking at overall on average each of your stores are going to do pretty well and right. and some of them are going to do better than others but you're you're not you're not necessarily looking for just that one that's a thousand x no look uh go back to my day job which is the you know the world of institutional investing and investing in you know let's call it high high quality stocks and the fixed income markets you know you know buying something at 25 times monthly earnings is essentially earning 4% per month you know right now 4% in the fixed income markets is a terrific yield the 10 year treasury is at 1.6% okay mm. there's not a lot of there's not a lot of great fixed income investments and so you have a an asset class where you you do, do earn a really high return on your investment if you're a buyer or if you're a builder um, on the one hand. And then, you know, going back to our earlier comments about the business model, you know, it's essentially cash positive because you get mm-hmm. paid up front. Yeah. So, you know, what's not to like about that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about how, how this, uh, once you've actually decided I'm going to, Spend some money and buy, then build. Um, what what's that journey been like? We'll talk about maybe your the first sure. one that you bought. How, yeah, how, so, how would how'd that go? Uh, so in October of 2014, we we, we bought our first site. Um, paid eighteen and a half thousand dollars for the life of me. I can't remember what it earned, but figure it was at that time these things were trading probably twenty one or twenty twenty one twenty two times. Uh, earnings. Um, and you know, that, you know, that, that store did okay. And can I, I, can I interrupt for a second? Where did you find, how did you find this store? Empire flippers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I became, I came involved with uh, empire flippers going way back. And, uh, you know, as I told uh, Joe Magnotti and Justin Cook, the, uh, two guys that are the co-owners and I've been a, you know, big participant at their, uh, uh, I've been to three of their five uh, empire retreats, and as I told, I, I was the guy that put down fifty-three deposits before I made a decision to buy. So, <laughs> and, awesome. And so, when I met them and I told them that story, that's when they said, "You would somebody please get this, give this guy a coupon, so we can stop with the money going back and forth." You know, we we, we trust your money is good. So, anyways, long <laughs> story, I did that's that. Funny. So, you know, we didn't know what I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, honestly, didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, my wife had just arrived from the United States, just relocated with my kids. And the weekend we were closing, we moved into a new apartment. I said, here, honey, you know, you left your job on Wall Street, run this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, um, but it went so well, Isaac, that over the next month, um, you know, you know, like a month later, we bought our second site on empire flippers also and you know kind of that's the one that turned out to be kind of our biggest home run and you know that that site in the last four years has done well over you know five million dollars in revenues 
from, you know, a $25,000 purchase. So, you know, That's you know, amazing. <laughs> yeah, done well. And then, you know, we became serial acquirers of, of, uh, of websites, lower priced, some lower price, some higher priced. Um, and a lot of times, uh, to, uh, giving us access to suppliers that we didn't have access to. We've built an ecosystem in, you know, one niche where we have four stores that are related to each other. We've gone into other niches where we thought we could piggyback on some, you know, some ideas. And I would say right now, I think, you know, there's a kind of a theme that we're, that we're working on. Uh, that's really quite successful on, you know, kind of what to look for in dropshipping websites and how to succeed and what to be careful of that, you know, be happy to talk about if you want to talk about that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So let's to give us an idea of um, so you you told me you, now how many stores do you have now that are active so, and running? Yeah. So yeah. So right now we have uh, eight revenue producing websites that are, are active. It's today's a Monday, and so you know we've been working on you know watching the VAs enter orders from the weekend, and we have eight. Uh, we shut down seven or eight. We've purchased over fifteen in the last uh, call it three and a half years, something like that. Um, most of them in the, uh, in the forum, um, several from website brokers. I've wor worked on Flippa, uh, done, you know, I've been everywhere. So, mm. uh, made, made every mistake you can make. Trust <laughs> me. Uh, I had one that was a total ripoff, uh, you know, oh, no. was a, fell victim to that. Mm. But again, you know, you, you, you can, you can, you know, you can survive that if, uh, you know, if you kind of carefully, Watch the wagers that you're putting out there on the on the the, the 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 table, and if you do if you do well in general, you know more frequently than if you do poorly, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so out of these, uh, so so I don't mean to get into like the super detailed story on all of these stores, but um, the ones that you shut down. Um, yeah. You mentioned earlier before we started recording that some of them you merged into other stores. Um, and yeah. so why uh, of the ones I imagine there are some that that you've just d decided these are just total failures. Uh, why would you shut it down versus uh, selling it to somebody else? Uh, you know, the, the ones that, you know, we, uh, for, for a number of reasons, we bought smaller starter stores that had good suppliers that we didn't have access to. And we just took mm -hmm. those suppliers and we ported them to a, another larger store. Mm -hmm. So when we had a smaller store, we just shut it down and we would, we, we, you know, talk to the supplier and we explained to them, we had a much larger store in the niche, didn't have a relationship with them. We thought that they'd be better represented on, you know, also on our other store and then ultimately shut down the, the store that we purchased. Um, so that was the, that was the case in probably half a dozen uh, situations. Okay. Um, Strategic this, acquisition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, and, and, and then, you know, we, 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 we had in our, uh, the, the big store that I mentioned, we had a number of people that, I don't know, we came across people that had developed stores, it's a fairly large niche with a lot of suppliers, and we were incredibly successful with this one store, and we had people come to us with suppliers that we didn't have, and so we 
we basically built those stores out and took some of our good suppliers and put those on those stores, tried to learn to, to find out whether some of the suppliers they had were really good. And then we created, you know, stores that were best of, and, you know, we participate on hows. And so we had a number of, we had a number of storefronts on hows, which is something that mm. they don't allow anymore, but we've kind of been grandfathered in, uh, in some situations. And, and so that was kind of its own strategy for a while because there were so many suppliers that we didn't have access to that we were able to, to, to purchase. And as you know, uh, you know, having kind of watched people build stores, uh, you know, it takes a lot of effort every day to get up and call suppliers and, yep. you know, go, go through the, you know, go through the, the drain of doing that. And people, you know, particularly people in their twenties and thirties, you know, their life changes and, you know, they may have committed to it, but after six months or a year, you know, they may, you know, want to sell something. And, you know, so, you know, we were, we were very ready buyers. And so, awesome. uh, yeah. And, you know, look, uh, very upfront telling people we, you know, look for this, this is what we look for. You know, I kind of tried to coach people to get the best deal they could. If they couldn't get a best deal, they oftentimes came back to me and we said, look, this is what we would do. And, you know, but please go and, you know, see if you can do better. And, you know, I've tried to be as fair as I can and yet, mm -hmm. you know, um, um, and, and be helpful. And, you know, it's worked out well for us. And, you know, uh, a number of the people that we've bought stores from her, they're no longer in e-commerce, no longer in drop shipping, still have relationships with, you know, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's been a fun, you know, kind of a fun way to get to know people. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, to give us an idea of what the, so you've got eight stores and you mentioned one is sort of like far ahead of the pack. What, yes. can you give us a range of maybe what these stores are, like how big these stores are, um, just in general? Yeah. So, so we have everything from stores where, you know, we're currently incredibly bullish on the niche and, you know, building it out out very aggressively and investing it very aggressively, but let's say less than $10,000 a month in revenue, mm -hmm. you know, all the way up the food chain to, you know, kind of our big store, which is in the six figures on a monthly basis in revenue. And, you know, probably the, the theme that we're most aggressively pursuing right now is to be developing our, um, uh, you know, kind of our SEO profile and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think probably the biggest opportunity for someone looking at buying a drop shipping store is trying to figure out how to improve what is normally a, uh, um, a, a, a very, uh, very concentrated traffic source around, you know, Google ads, uh, you know, when you look at younger stores and, and, and seeing if they can develop an SEO profile where they can drive organic traffic. And so probably the one, the, the, the store that I'm most excited about right now is getting 200 visits a month organically, uh, you know, no paid traffic, mm. uh, well, you know, from, from organic traffic. And, you know, I think, you know, that's really the future. And I think that for people that are looking at buying stores, the probably the biggest risk at buying stores is buying a store that's solely de uh, dependent on on uh, Google PPC 
because what we have seen in a number of cases is that there's a brand that's hot one year and a year later the 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 price per click you know the cost per click you know has tripled and suddenly you can't run PPC profitably and your traffic dries up and there's you know 50 50 competitors suddenly so mm. you know that's that, you know that's a very um you know, that's a, you know, something we've seen over and over again happen to us in our big store on what was the biggest brand when we bought it. It's exactly what happened. Totally took us by surprise. We got very lucky that, that another brand took off mm. and we've been, a, we've been able to weather that. Um, but the store that I mentioned, which is smaller now and is doing, you know, over $10,000 a month in, in revenues with really good margins, you know, that's all, all that's going to have a really long um, life because the SEO profile is so good. It's ranking for so many keywords. It's getting all of this uh, traffic organically. And, you know, kind of the suppliers love us because we're constantly publishing content that's helpful. And, I, you know, kind of the, you know, the, the, the PPC world where most people would come in and, and, and try to compete with us. You know, it's kind of no longer a strategy. Um, the, you know, we're, we're obviously at using, uh, uh, you know, kind of every every pay per click strategy that we can think of. But to be honest with you, it's you know, it's really kind of tough sledding in the PPC world. And you know, now we've got this foundation of content where we're 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 getting all this organic traffic. And I think that's the future, really, for for guys in the e-commerce world. Wow. So much to dig into here. <laughs> I can't. I can't decide which way to go. Um, why don't we, since 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 we're on the topic, um, and and I will have another guest uh, in the very uh, very soon. I'll have a guest who is in the middle of a difficult time with his store because of what you say. A, a, a brand was hot, and now it's not. And, um, you know, that's, you said you have a, you had a brand that, that, that shot up, that sort of took that slack. Um, so let's talk about that. If you have a store that is uh, maybe highly dependent on one, you know, a store that's doing well, first of all, this, this is next level e-commerce. So we're, we're assuming people are not at the beginning phase. We're we're assuming people are already advanced. But let's say you have um, a business where there where it is maybe a little over dependent on one brand. So what what was your strategy? Did you do that intentionally, or did that just sort of happen on its own? So uh, what happened was that we purchased that store naive. This was the second store we bought, Isaac. So you know, we purchased this store. We didn't really realize what was going on. I'm sure the seller realized it. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. he was saying it. We did. We mm-hmm. weren't. You know, I wasn't smart enough to be able to look at it and and tell that this was changing. Um, it was a. It, it's a. It's a still an incredibly high quality brand, although there's. You know, they went from probably 15 online retailers to 50 and the price per click, you know, went through the roof, um, you know, and, and we didn't know that. And, you know, we got lucky that we were 
simultaneously well positioned with a brand that was about to take off mm -hmm. where we were one of the first dozen or so real retailers and it became that brand became one of the three leading brands in that in, in, in that niche oh, wow. and you know, very high volume and a very big niche. And so, you know, we were in the and we're on the, you know, where to buy page and, you know, stuff like that. Right. So, you know, <laughs> great, you know, great confluence of positive events. And so, you know, to be honest with you, we got very lucky. Uh, we would we would do OK uh, you know, you know, we would, we would, we still do really, really well. And we do okay with, with that original brand, but it's, you know, it, and the store would never have taken off without the, the second brand where we were, we were early. And so, you know, probably one of the points to make is, you know, just because you, you own a store doesn't mean you shouldn't be, you know, continually looking for new suppliers and new brands. I mean, um, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times, and we've just had this happen, um, that original brand, the national salesman are just left and he contacted us from, you know, never guess where someplace new that he's going. And, you know, we know him now for four years and, you know, we told him we want to be his first client and how can we help? And, mm. you know, and so being in the niche helps a lot. And, you know, we hope to be early and hope that that brand, you know, uh, you know that that brand does uh, exceedingly well. We don't know what he's going to do yet, but we'll see. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's important. Uh, the the idea that you don't settle, you don't get complacent, and just yeah. say this is my store, this is what it is. Uh, but you're you're continuously building. You're continuously yeah. adding on to it. Um, always looking for new products, new, new brands. That's sort of kind it's similar to what happened to me. Um, I, I had a, a, a best-selling brand and I had a supplier who I, I got several brands through and one day he just said, Hey, why don't you sell this other brand? I said, what really this other brand? Um, he said, yeah. He said, why don't you sell that? I said, I don't know. Do they sell well? Said, yeah, are you kidding me? They're they're one of the top sellers, what one of the best selling <laughs> brands. Oh, well, I just didn't know. Um, and, and and so I asked him, well, what are the top four or five products that yeah. they they sell? He he told me, and so I spent a bit of time. I actually had them on the website, but you know, y you probably know there's a difference between having something on your website and then pushing that, actively trying to get sales, making sure that it's optimized, making sure that it has good a good offer. So just simply doing that, that happened to me twice. Actually, uh, right before I sold, which really exploded the growth of the store. Like, um, really? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so you, you know, people may have access to products that, are going to take off and they don't even know it. That, that was the case uh, for me. Well, the, I think the other, you know, learning is, you know, talk to your suppliers. They have I mean, yeah. a wealth of knowledge. They're in this every day. They yeah. all know each other. You know, Ray knows Jim and knows Mary. I mean, you know, and yeah. they're, you know, they know each other with air quotes, right? But they respect each other because these are competitors and they may have something 
you know, they, they, they may think that they're better and they may, you know, hear a little bit of dirt on one or the other. But, you know, if you if you know them and you deal with them honorably, they'll 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 share. You know, and if you're a professional, they'll share some of these trade secrets with you. And, yep. and you know, we get some of our best intel from our suppliers and and. Um, you know, but I think a lot of people are sometimes they're scared to, you know, have have relationships. You know, most of the suppliers, and I'm sure this is true for you, when you're dealing with the people that you're dealing with, whether it's the sales manager or the order guy, whoever it is, you know, this is a job. They come in, they want to do it. They're friendly. You know, they may be busy, but, you know, they're human beings. And, you know, they mm-hmm. they they come and do this every day, just like you come in and, and, and do your stuff every day. And so... Uh, you know, if you're courteous and helpful to them and trying to, you know, and if you're just nice, you know, you, you can get a, you can get a, you know, get a long way. I mean, don't, you have to be a little bit, go out of your way to be an extrovert. That's not a problem for me, as you can probably tell, but you know, <laughs> some, some people, maybe not yeah. so easy. Yeah. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, I've got to know. How the heck do you run eight stores at a time? <laughs> well, yeah. So the 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 uh, the the, um, the the solution to that is that you know my my you know I have a day job and you know uh, you know and and run private banking and uh, wealth management and asset management business. And my wife, uh, you know, uh, when when we relocated from New York, my wife gave up her Wall Street job and so my wife really does all of the operations and so she runs our team of VAs I kind of do the strategy stuff and so I'm always looking at the you know kind of uh, uh, kind of the new projects and she's doing all of the systems and the processes and all of the uh, accounting and you know keeping everything in order and so you know Isaac the, uh, the you know you, you've, you've got to figure out what you're good at and find a partner or an employee to do the things that you that you're not good at mm-hmm. and I'm just lucky I'm just lucky that I happen to be married to my to my uh, to the, the person that does that so um, yeah. you know th- that's that's you know the one of the, the, the way to scale is to 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 do that do the things you're good at and surround yourself with the people that that with that can do the other things and so mm-hmm. but my wife my wife is doing all the operation stuff and all the details uh every day and so you know uh you know it can create strain in a marriage on the one hand on the other hand you know i've got kids that are uh you know 11 and 13 and my wife's job can be done from you know kind of anywhere almost on her own time. And from the beginning, because we live eight time zones ahead of the East Coast, you know, we had to figure out how we were going to run these stores while we sleep. So Mm -hmm. we were kind of, we were forced down the path of creating systems and processes and procedures and putting things in sweet process and using Asana and Slack and, you know, all of the loom and all of the various uh, tools that you can have access to now that, you know, that make all this work. So Mm -hmm. that's the way to do it. (laughs) So tell me about what your team looks like these days. So your, your wife is, is running it, but I imagine she's probably not taking calls. She's probably not fulfilling orders. Um, what yeah so what how how big of a team do you have do you have a a team that's allocated for each store or do you have like 
a, uh, a, a main office, so to speak. I imagine they're distributed, but like, do you have yeah. people who run, who do different things on several stores? How does that work? Yeah, two teams, uh, two teams, kind of four stores each. Um, um, you know, it can be a little bit confusing. Um, the one team works in the one vertical. So while it's different stores, it's pretty much the same. It's the kind of the same drill. The other team works a little bit more varied. Um, those second stores are younger stores. And so the, that's kind of a learning experience, as you know, with a younger store, you're, you're always kind of learning. And then, you know, we outsource to experts a lot of things. So I work with uh, a fellow named Kyle Claver at Adaptive Advantage who works with me on PPC and SEO. And he's been kind of the architect of our, uh, of our SEO strategy. He's done, a, uh, he's done great things with us and helped us build out, you know, kind of the profile in the store that I mentioned that's doing all the organic traffic. And, um, you know, we've, we have got outsource the uh, content writing we outsource um you know um you know uh, bookkeeping uh well we we, we do the, the naive bookkeeping ourselves we have systems where the po's feed right feed right into our zero accounting system across all stores and then obviously mm. the tax the tax stuff we don't do ourselves but uh you know um you know ev everything that we can you know we outsource and you know, we just try to run it like a, you know, kind of a real business. So, you know, we're looking at reports, we're looking at analytics and we're look, thinking, you know, kind of bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So how many, uh, how many, let's say full-time or yeah. How many full-time VAs do you have? Not necessarily saying they're technically em employees, but yeah. how many people do you have access to, uh, on a full-time basis? So four are doing customer service, two are doing uploading of products uh, in, in terms of the VAs right now. Mm. We've had as many as eight, but right now it's at six. Mm. Yeah. And so these other people, so you, you mentioned PPC, you mentioned SEO. Are you, are you hiring an agency to do that or how does that work? Yeah, so so Adaptive Advantage, Kyle Claver's business is a is an agency. Uh, we were partners on a store going back a year and a half ago. He's developed an agency, and we've worked with him originally on P PPC, and now working on on uh, uh, with him on SEO. And we've spent a lot of uh, uh, effort, time, and effort on SEO over the last year and change on the four newer stores and you know the payoffs have been remarkable so mm -hmm. you, you know as i mentioned earlier i think that's probably something um you know literally it was about a year ago that i was at an the empire flippers uh retreat retreat 4.0 and i heard matt diggity from diggity marketing talk and use a case uh, case study matt's a big uh um, uh, SEO guy uh, in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and he gave an e-commerce example and kind of the light bulb went off. And I said, you know, what the affiliate guys are doing, 
you know, they're leaving a lot of uh, money on the table and the e-commerce guys aren't learning from what the affiliate guys are doing. You know, mm -hmm. we need to get on this right away. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we plowed a lot of time and money into that going back to, you know, September of last year. And so and it's it's worked incredibly well. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so we're we're. I've sort of lost track of time here. We're going a little bit long, and I hope that's okay with you. This is just so yeah, sure. fascinating. Such a good uh, conversation we're having. Um, I would like to know when you are looking for stores to buy. Can you talk about what you look for? Um, how you know how you can identify ones with growth potential uh, versus you know some that are are going to be the losers or what, what are you looking for these days you know um if you've listened to um uh if you listen to andrew udarian's podcast the e-commerce uh -huh. fuel podcast you know he has a wonderful uh, e-commerce veteran a woman named uh, dana and i'll mispronounce her last name but it's like dana geriolitis and she said something brilliant one day which which you know, having been being on Wall Street nearly four decades really resonates with me. And she said she can fix everything but the margins. Okay. Mm. And, you know, if you start out with crummy margins, you have a business with crummy margins. Okay. The best you're going to have mm. is a business with crummy margins. All right. Um, it wasn't a year ago, Isaac, where, you know, I looked at a, you know, someone showed me a website uh, and asked for some help. And she didn't know her numbers and she was doing $350,000 in sales and not making any money because she didn't have any margins. And oh, I no. don't think, I don't think she wasn't really, I mean, she was making 3% or something like that. Oh. So, she, oh, no. so you can, you can only, you can only imagine the volume. I mean, she had a lot of, you know, she had a lot of airline miles or <laughs> credit card. Yeah. Points. But, you know, I mean, you can imagine what that cost in terms of customer service and stuff like that. And yeah, so a lot of work. You know, the, yeah. So the reality really is, is that, you know, we look really hard at what the margins are, you know, and, and, um, you know, we talked about this early and I'll shamelessly self promote, but, you know, um, I have a website called professional website investors.com. Mm -hmm. We're about to launch, a, uh, uh, an info course. And one of the things that I go through in, in this is, you know, I've got kind of 10 disqualifiers or what I call knockouts, Mm -hmm. on things on things that you know when you look at a niche don't go there if okay mm -hmm. and you know and they they're all around things like you know um you know the margins are crummy or the return profiles crummy or you know the price point is is crummy or they're too seasonal or you know a lot of things where you know and i'm on every mailing list of every website broker and when, and I've looked at, you know, everybody has a list of their hundred favorite niches. I probably looked at, you know, most of them at some time. And, you know, when you look at, if you have kind of a framework for looking at things and you start with, you know, what do the margins need to look like? And then, you know, these are, these are niches where they're going to violate one of these cardinal rules. Um, you know, you can pretty much tell that you, that, you know, that you, you shouldn't go there, um, mm. you know, most of the time. Now, you know, when you find one and you don't know what it is, that's when you 
you dig deeper and you figure out, well, you know, maybe I should look at this. And, and I love doing that. I'm a junkie for looking at deals. So I, I, you know, I'll look at those all day long. And so, and try to figure out, you know, Hey, um, is this going to be a a niche where it's going to require a lot of customer service that I don't want to get involved in? All right. It's going to have a lot of, you know, for example, we, we owned a, we owned a, a, a store called massage chair gallery. Okay. Um, selling massage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh selling this. I, yeah, I yeah. know that website. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was, selling, I was in the same niche. <laughs> okay. So selling massage chairs to old people, yeah. you know, requires, you know, they don't go online. It takes a lot of customer service. The returns are high, you know, that's, a, that's, you know, yeah, that's a red, yeah, that's a red flare in the air. Stay away from, you know, something where people are going to call you all the time and return $3,000 products because, you know, for some random reason, you know, um, I I had to pivot away from that into a a side niche. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we could probably spend all day here talking about places, these kinds of mistakes. But, you know, that's just that's just one of a, about a dozen of these, you know, kind of knockouts that I have that where, where I look at them and I say, you know, this isn't going to work. But it all starts with the with the margins. Now, you know, people will ask me, you know, probably one of the favorite questions I get is, you know, passion versus no passion. Right. Are you passionate about are you passionate about every niche you're in? You know, well, you know, we've sold toilets. Right. Um, and I will tell you, you know, you sell enough toilets or bathtubs or, or, or bathroom vanities. Okay. You become very interested when you're selling six figures a month and, you know, something, something that's not very sexy. Okay. Um, I'm not a big hobby guy, but I will tell you that, you know, the average American will spend more money on something that they want as opposed to something they need. So, you know, if you can find stuff that's in a, a passion margin, a market, uh, a passion niche, for, for goodness sakes, you know, look hard at it because people spend a ton of money on those things. Uh, having said that, you know, uh, and you may or may not be passionate about, you know, whatever the niche that is. It may not be your may not be your personal passion. It may be somebody else's passion. But, you know, you, you get very passionate when you make a lot of sales, I found. OK, so, yeah, you know, at least it's intellectually interesting. I will mm-hmm. say that. OK, so, yeah, uh, you need to you need to be passionate about the business, about building the business that that's number one. If you, and yeah, I agree. If, if you can have a, a niche that you are passionate about, like you like fishing and you're selling fishing rods or whatever, I, right. I'd, I'd say that's a bonus. I'd, I would say that's not the requirement, in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. Now, you know, the famous Andrew Udarian story was that he was uh, he, he was passionate about fishing and he mm. did trolling motors. Mm-hmm. And realized that packaging those big trolling motors, which are like six feet long, okay, the shipping mm-hmm. became, and he sold trollingmotors.net because, you know, the shipping was a nightmare, okay? Mm-hmm. So you can be, you know, sometimes that passion can outweigh your, you know, your common sense, okay? So be careful yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so, so you, you mentioned a little bit about your, your website. You, um, You've got a you've got a website. You've got a podcast. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing over there? Yeah, sure. So we, we you know, uh, 
going back now, it's been two years. Uh, we, um, I, I established a site called Professional Website Investors for people that want to learn about this asset class and particularly want to learn about buying high-ticket dropshipping stores. Uh, and while I have published less frequently because it just takes so long to write things and go back and forth with editors because I'm sort of a perfectionist on this. I established a podcast at the beginning of the year. We have 26 episodes up. Season one, it was really kind of solo podcasts where I talked about a lot of the theories and the experience that I've had and my own observations. Season two, which will go live starting in, in January, will have more uh, guests um, and have more conversation like this. Although, you know, I'm probably still going to do a number of the solo podcasts. And I, I have, uh, you know, used to be someone who listened to the hour long podcasts. I probably now someone who probably listens to things more between 20 and 35 minutes and not the hour long stuff. So I've kind of tried to keep things in the 30 minute range or 35 minute range or 40 minute range, depending on what I'm talking about. But that's when I'm solo. So, uh, you know, I think when I have a conversation like this, it's naturally better to go longer. So I'll probably go longer in sex season two than I did when it was just me talking mm -hmm. in the microphone. Awesome. So, so you really, all these things that we've talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, you really go deep on in your blog and on your podcast about these you're you're all about this investing and buying and building and scaling and so you really that's that's yeah. your special interest yeah so if, if i can leave you with something that i feel is uh you know kind of maybe the important thing and i hate to do this at the end of the podcast but maybe the important thing i can tell you having been on wall street for you know coming up on four decades is that you know we're in front of a really huge trend and the mm -hmm. way to make money on wall street is to be in front of a really huge trend and recognize it for what it is Mm -hmm. And get involved and stay with it. As you know, you know, online retail sales are only 15% of the U.S. economy. Amazon is half of that. And, you know, I don't need to be as rich as Jeff Bezos. Just give me part of the non-Jeff Bezos part of uh, online sales. And, you know, I'll do fine and you'll do fine. Mm -hmm. and, and we're in very early in the ball game in e-commerce. And, uh you know, the time is now, and I will tell you, and you probably have a view on this, but not every supplier that, that, that you talk to is going to still, you know, be opening uh, uh, relationships with new stores in two, three, four years from now. They're going to be done. They're going to they're going to have enough. And mm -hmm. so there's going to be a scarcity of suppliers at some point when there is a you know, there's a rich choice of people that you can do business with now. And so. Um, you have that benefit going for you. You're in front of a gigantic trend that's growing. You will ultimately see institutional money come into this market. Mm -hmm. The multiples, multiples that these sites sell for will go up. You know, it only gets better and better. You can do it from anywhere in the world. You know, I'm going to retire on it. You're going to retire on it. We're all going to, you know, everyone will do great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, hey, that, I mean, that seems like a great place to to uh, to leave off um i have so much more that i want to ask you about um but maybe maybe i should save it for it for another time we're already at an hour uh, so ian thank you for coming on the show 
Um, I really appreciate your time. Uh, would you would you be interested in, in coming back and doing a follow-up on some of these topics? I feel like we've talked about a lot of things, but we haven't gone really deep on any particular one, and I have a ton of questions for you. Uh, I'd be delighted to come back, and let me make an invitation for you to come on my podcast when we when we crank back up and start recording. I'd love to have you, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love, love, to, love to do that. That'd be a lot of fun. I feel like um, I feel like I heard less of your story than you heard of mine, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. So let's yeah. do that. Great, great, cool. Uh, all right. So if people want to get in touch with you, find out more about what you're doing, uh, where 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 do you want to send people? Uh, Ian Bond at professionalwebsiteinvestors.com. So it's okay. real simple. Ian Bond professionalwebsiteinvestors.com. So that's that's an email address, and then the website you you can find at professionalwebsiteinvestors.com. The podcast, I imagine, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's uh, Apple, Spotify, mm -hmm. Stitcher. Yeah, uh, it's the same name, right? Yeah, professional. Okay. It's I think it's called the Professional Website Investor Podcast. Yes. All right. And I'll have all of these links, anything we talked about, I'll have that in the show notes for you. Um, so great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Uh, best wishes to you as you, you continue growing your business. Uh, look, thanks so much, Isaac, for the, for the, uh, for reaching out to me. I mean, it seemed like, feel like I know you because we've known each other online for so long, but this has been really special connecting like this. And I couldn't be more grateful to have been uh, with you today. So thank you. All right. Thank you. Big thanks to Ian for telling his story and sharing with us how he thinks about buying and growing businesses. Now, if your eyes have been opened like mine have, and you're starting to make that transition into thinking like an owner, then I know you're not the only one who needs to hear this message. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to think of one other friend who is also planning big things for the next year, but maybe needs that extra push to stop thinking like a technician and start thinking like an owner. And I need you to share Ian's story with that friend. You'll be doing your friend a big favor. And now it's time for The Review is Right! This is the part of the show where you, as the listener, get to play along with me. Each month, we've been giving away a $50 Amazon gift card to a lucky listener of the show. And I have a five-star review to share with you. This comes from Richet44. He says, Insightful and honest. It isn't often you come across a podcast that is truly real. Isaac and guests don't just talk about rainbows and unicorns, they delve into the struggles and what it took to find success. A great, honest, and insightful podcast. Thank you so much for your feedback, Riche44. That really does mean a lot to me. I appreciate all of you listening to this show, and I especially appreciate it when you reach out to me. Whether it's a review or even just a simple message reaching out either on Facebook or email or wherever. 
So if you would like to be entered into the drawing for the $50 Amazon gift card, all you have to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and email me a screenshot of that review so that I have a way of sending you your prize. You can email me directly at info at nextlevelecommerce.co. Thank you so much for playing and good luck in the review is right. So that's it for 2019. Thank you all so much for coming with me on this journey so far. And if you've enjoyed these first few months of episodes, know this, listener. We are just getting warmed up. In 2020, we're going to kick it into gear. And we're going to start with a series on buying and selling businesses. And in fact, we're going to use my very own business as a case study including an interview with the new owner himself. You are not going to want to miss what's coming up. Next time on Next Level E-Commerce. The minute you're losing interest in your business, I just sell it, you know, get it in, get it into position to sell and then and then sell it because you're going to let it die. So I'm ready to sell now and it's like guess what? Nobody wants to buy a dying business. There's no roadmap, right? You can take right. all the online courses you want. You can read as many books as you want. But in the end of the day, you're going into the unknown. There's no playbook. Actually, Isaac, I'm curious. How did you feel emotionally, like, you know, being prepared and going through the sale and then actually completing the sale? You know, what was that experience like for you? Oh, my gosh. That was one of the one most of the- stressful times in my life. So how did it feel when, you know, the cash hit your bank account? You know, when you saw, bing, like, here's the bank wire. Thank you for listening to Next Level E-Commerce. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out on the next story.